So we're in week number two of Advent, and, and, and Advent just means the arrival of a notable event or a person or a thing. And for us Christians, of course, the Advent is of the birth of Jesus Christ, and it's expectant time for us as we prepare our hearts and get ready for Christmas Day, but for Christ to be in our lives. And it's the first season in the Christian church year four Sundays preceding Christmas, and so consequently we're in week number two of Advent, and we're doing an Advent sermon series called Behold, and what we're doing is we're looking at, so what in the world has caused so many people at this time of the year to do things they don't always do, to buy gifts for everybody, to fill the malls, to decorate our houses with lights, to make cookies for family members to come, and of course, worshiping by the thousands because they're celebrating the birth of the child. And this word, behold, it's used 1,298 times in the King James Version. So it must be an important word. And, and of course, our video helped us think about that word. Uh, literally in Greek, it means to be sure to see. In other words, to make sure you don't miss something that's going to be happening. And, and last week, Pastor John was in here, and he talked about beholding Christmas light. Don't miss the fact that Jesus is the light of the world, even in our darkness times. And so today, I'm going to take that behold word and look at beholding the Christmas signs. I don't want you to miss all the signs that point to Jesus as the Christ child. Now, when I think of signs, I think back to being in fifth grade. We had lived in an apartment my whole life. My parents never had a house, and all of a sudden, we got a house in Parma. And my dad got these two eight-foot plywood boards, and we put them in the ground next to each other, and it said, Merry Christmas, the Tims. And they were so proud of that sign, not very... Uh, religious, so to speak, but it certainly was a reminder to anybody driving by that it was a sign that Christmas was coming. Now, in that same time frame, I remember we didn't have Cirrus radio, and so we'd listen to our music on the AM channel. And, and I can remember listening to a song that I really was fascinated by. It was by a Canadian band called the Five Man Electrical Band, and, and the, the song was called Signs. And, and it talked about the cultural issues and the signs that we see of those things. And, and I can remember singing along where it says, sign, sign, everywhere, sign, blocking out the scenery, breaking my mind, do this, don't do that, can't you see the signs? And I remember early on thinking about signs. Well, what are they and, and why do we have them? Well, you know, signs are out there to communicate a message maybe to uh, give us information so we can discern better choices based on what was going on. And of course, the most obvious of the signs that we have are, are these traffic signs, and some of them are regulatory signs. And, and so you know that they are. I mean, they got a speed limit sign or a yield sign or a stop sign, and we don't always like them, and yet the reality is they regulate a safe flow of traffic. And then we have other signs that are warning signs, school crossing, railroad crossing, construction ahead, pointing out danger around us. And then just the normal guide signs like route numbers and exit for the plaza on the freeway and, and, and those types of things. So we'll all recognize that there are these physical signs that are either words or pictures to help convey a thought to us. But you know, there's a lot of other types of signs in our life as well, signs of things to watch for, things to come. 
So we see the signs of the seasons changing. And we know that there's going to be cold weather and snow approaching. Or maybe you have the sign of a chest pain and you go, whoa, that's a sign that maybe I better get to a cardiologist. And unfortunately, many times with signs, they aren't clear or we're not looking for them or we see them and we totally ignore them. And I think for many people at Christmas, they're looking at only some of the signs like busy stores, trees and lights on decorating houses baking desserts for family to come together, time off of work. And they miss the real reason for the season. They miss the signs of the fact that this is a time where Jesus came to earth. He was the long-awaited Messiah. So signs, what do I mean by all that? Well, all through history, there have been signs that would point to the birth, to the life, to the death, and to the resurrection of Jesus as the Savior starting with his humble birth. And so throughout Scripture, there are all kinds of signs that point us to Jesus as the Christ. And in this message here, this preparation, I want us to look at four particular signs, and they're worth exploring. So what are those four signs, and are they clear, and how do we respond to them? Well, the first one is the Star of Bethlehem. That is a sign, and it points to God's promise of a Savior fulfilled. So I want you to fast forward in your mind to maybe a year or two after the birth of Christ. It's a very familiar story. We know that this star was there, and it led the Magi, the wise men, on this long journey, and it still is told 2,000 years later. But they went on this journey because they were told that that star would lead them to someone important, to a king, in this case, the Magi. And I encourage you this week, take some time, sit down and read Matthew chapter 2. Just a chapter, read it and see this whole story about the Magi. But what you're going to find is they set out with diligence. I mean, they used all their intellectual gifts. They used their passions and they set out to see what God had placed at the end of their journey. And they had a commitment. Think about it. They dropped everything they were doing to take this journey, to follow a star in the sky. And we see that they went out with generosity of all of their time, but of course of gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. So why is any of this important to us as a sign? Well, in Matthew 2, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem, and they asked a pretty important question. They said, where's the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. See, God got their attention using something they knew about, right? Stars. And that's what he used to get their attention to bring them there. And yet that sign in the sky, Herod, King Herod missed it completely. And we see that in verse 4 and on. When Herod called together all the chief priests and the teachers of the law, he asked them, where is the Christ to be born? See, he missed the sign. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, this is what the prophet had written. But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler, will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. So, Imagine this sign, this star. It obviously wasn't just any ordinary, normal star. It was a star making an announcement. It was pointing people to this baby that was born. 
And so our Magi go on their journey, having heard the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star which they saw in the east went before them until it came and stood over where the young child was. So let's think about it for a minute. That star must have been there for a long time. It was a sign, but it didn't really need to direct them to Bethlehem. I mean, everybody knew where Bethlehem was. It was small, but it was only five miles from Jerusalem. They were coming from Persia to Bethlehem. And and the star appeared, yes, as a guide, but more importantly, as a confirmation to them that there was a special birth that took place. And then the star stopped over the place. And I don't understand that. Can a star stop in its rotation? Apparently it can, because in this case it did. So it was just a sign. And so in verse 10, when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Coming into the house, again, this was a time after the, the manger scene, they saw the Christ with his mother Mary, they bowed down and worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense. And well, here's this sign we have of the Bethlehem star. Is that all we got? No. We also have the manger and the swaddling cloth uh, pointing to God coming in a human form, coming humble. You ever wonder about that? I do. Why wasn't Jesus born in some fancy hotel room or at least in an inn or, or a hospital or somewhere like that? It says he was born in a stable. And she wrapped him in cloths because there was no room. I was thinking about this. What if you were going to travel somewhere, and then you get to the town and you realize that the Holiday Inn and the Ramada Inn are booked? Be frustrating. But imagine you're traveling to have your first child at this time, any minute. And again, the hotels and the bed and breakfasts are full. I got to tell you, this is a sign from God, because what God is saying is this is the setting for the humble birth of a Savior who came to serve mankind. He didn't come to be pampered, uh, and yet he came to a world that was just too busy to notice. I found a quote, and I found it intriguing. It's not my quote. I don't know who wrote it, but I saw it, and I think it's pretty neat. It says, Jesus' first bed was an indicator of his nature and purpose. Rather than coming to earth amidst fanfare and plush surroundings, the king of creation, God's own son, was born among animals, their very first visitors being lowly shepherds from the fields. The humble king would grow up and one day sacrifice his life on a cross for sinners and then rise again and return to his father's side in glory and power. That's the summation of why we're here. That's who we worship And as strange as it sounds, he was born in a manger. Luke 2, 6 and 7. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room available for them. Now, the word manger, it comes from a Latin word which means to eat. He was born in this feeding trough, this food box, somewhere where they would put hay for the larger animals to eat. Now, that's important to me. I have two nativity sets, and they're up year-round. Never take them down, right in the middle of our front room at home and in the office that Pastor Mark and I share. I leave them out because it's a constant reminder to me of the humble way my Savior came to save people like myself who need it. 
it's, it's such a good reminder because when you have your children, you got dressers full of fancy clothes. Maybe you got some designer one-on-one little onesies with Ohio State written on them or something like that. This child came with swaddling cloth. And, you know, when you're talking the Bible, it's talking about some rags that would have been tied tightly around the child kind of to comfort them and quiet them. We see parents today swaddling their child in kind of the same way. So we have these signs of a star, of a manger, and then we have the signs of the virgin birth, pointing to Jesus as the true God. This is the center point of our faith in Jesus Christ. This virgin conception, this being born sinless, to the fact that he was supernaturally conceived in the womb of Mary, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, without sin. Luke 1.26, in the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, town in Galilee, to a virgin, pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now, I wish I could have been there that day, because I'm envisioning her going, say what? Well, let's, let's see what did happen. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One born would be called the Son of God. And this is important because this fulfills prophecy. Many of you know Isaiah 7, 14, which says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. God with us. So is the sign of the virgin birth important? Well, yeah, if we look at our lives, because everyone in this room, everyone online sins. We fall short. We can't stop sinning, and we can't do anything to fix the damage that was done. So we need a Savior, and a Savior has to be sinless, has to be perfect, and has to be willing to allow himself to pay the price for the wages of your sin. See, if Jesus was born with a sinful DNA, then then he can't fulfill the law for us. It just wasn't going to work. Here's a quote out of Christianity Today that explains it. You see, if there was no virgin birth, there'd be no sinless Christ. No sinless Christ, no atonement. No atonement, no forgiveness. No forgiveness, no hope of heaven. No hope of heaven, we would all die and go to hell. Thank God for the virgin birth. If you take away the virgin birth, the whole household of Christianity collapses like a house of cards. So we have these signs of the star of Bethlehem, the manger and the swaddling cloth, and and the virgin birth. These are signs that point us to who the Christ child is. And then finally, the shepherds. They point us to worshiping the Savior and then sharing the good news. Did you ever wonder about the significance? I know in our little manger scene, we put the shepherds and a couple of sheep there, but you ever notice why that's important? I mean, why were, they were the first witnesses other than the animals that were there eating, right? But see, again, it's an outward sign of God saying, I have come for all people. I don't come just for the rich. I come for people that maybe don't have status, people that aren't wealthy. I come to these humble shepherds and to all of us. And so we got these shepherds out in the field. And in, in verse 9, it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news. You'll cause joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He 
Christ, the Messiah, the Lord. And here it is, this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. Now again, the shepherds could have gone, yeah, that's all right, that's nice. We're busy, we worked all day, we don't want to take a journey, just leave us alone. But they didn't, they didn't. Look what they did. They hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Again, shepherds pointing to the fact that Jesus is the Messiah for all people, Jews and Gentiles, young and old, rich and poor. And matter of fact, Jesus calls himself the good what? The good shepherd, right? So there are lots of signs in that whole Christmas story that point to the fact that Jesus is the Savior. He's the Christ child born to a virgin, born in a manger, pointed out by a star, But I got to tell you something, those signs mean nothing whatsoever if you don't recognize them and then if you don't respond to them exactly like the shepherds did. Look at verse 17. It said, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about this child to all who heard and were amazed the shepherd had said, See, it's important for us to recognize the signs that I'm pointing them out, some of those to you today. It's important to see them, recognize them, but then allow those to be able to change you to where you share them. The story happened many years ago in a Midwestern town, and the guy had a job there. His job was to hang out near the railroad crossing. And if a train was coming, he'd get his lantern, and he'd go in the middle of the road, and he'd wave it to make sure the cars would know, you got to stop because there's a train coming. And he did it night after night. Well, one night he's out there, the train's coming down the track. He's there waving it because he can see a headlight approaching. And he waves it, and the car keeps coming. And he waves it more frantically, and the car keeps coming. And he's waving and waving. And finally, he just has to jump out of the way. The car speeds by right into the side of the train, and everyone on the car died. Well, at the investigation, this grief-stricken man was explaining to the authorities, I tried to warn them. I tried to warn them. I, I, I waved my lantern. And, and the authorities said, well, sir, you did. You waved your lantern, but you forgot to light it. Hmm. Intriguing ending to that story, isn't it? And yet signs are so important, but if we don't apply what they say, They're useless to us. A stop sign is useless if a tree is blocking it and you can't see it, or if you're just ignorant enough to drive right through it. And it's the same in our lives. The signs point to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And then he tells you, identify those signs so that you can be a sign to other people to take the good news just like the shepherds did. But you got to have your light lit. Your lantern, so to speak, has to be lit. You have to have that or you're going to have no impact. So how do we discover that light of Christ? How do we discover the signs of Christmas? Number one, you'll always hear me say this, prayer, prayer. In case you missed what I just said, prayer. Start your morning praying to the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for a good night's sleep. Now, help me to know what you want me to accomplish today. Thank you for the forgiveness that I have. And then be in the Bible every day, at least a chapter, or get a good devotional that'll work you through sections of Scripture. Be in God's Word. That will light the lantern in your heart. And join a life group or a small group. See Pastor Mark. He's he's organizing some groups that are going to start up in a few weeks here. Maybe you get involved in one. Maybe, who knows, you're called to lead one of those. 
see him, you know, help get set up with that. And then worship corporately like this, side by side, encouraging and supporting one another. Be signs to other people and let them be signs to you. So some questions that maybe ask yourself, but for you personally, are what signs draw you close to Jesus as a Christmas child? Maybe it's the seasonal signs. Maybe it's the trees and the lights and all those things. And, and somehow that brings you back to worshiping the Lord. If that's it, good for you. Maybe it's the signs when you feel Jesus' peace in spite of all the stress of the season or the stress of situations in your life, and it points you to Christ as your Savior. Maybe it's a sign of Christ when you feel forgiven for the first time. Maybe you've been carrying guilt for years and years, and suddenly you feel that forgiveness, and you go, this could only come through the birth of Jesus Christ. Maybe this message somehow today, maybe it was a sign for you, something in there that was said that can point you to a closer relationship with the Christ child. Maybe you'll see it through new eyes, through the music, incredible music that you get to worship to here. Maybe the words in those songs, maybe the holy meal, communion you're going to have in a moment. Maybe those are the signs that will open your eyes so that you can be a sign to other people. Remember that God is calling you to be a sign to others so that they'll see their way to the Christmas child. And I like to ask, and I don't know if you're going to be honest enough, are you a sign that points people to Jesus? You're a Christian. Are they? How about at home when nobody's watching? What would your family say? How about at work? What would your staff or your employees say? How about, and I have to challenge myself, how about when you're driving in traffic and the jerk cuts you off? Are you a good sign pointing people to Christ's love and forgiveness? Or you're playing sports, or you're watching sports, or video games, whatever it is, are you allowed to see the signs of Christ in your life so that others will see those same signs working through you? Because I guarantee if you claim to be a Christian, people are watching They're looking for signs in your life because of the signs you see of Christmas that will allow people to know that this is real. So behold, don't miss these Christmas signs. So some action steps, perhaps. Are you ready to read God's word to see the signs of who Jesus is? Your outline sheet, if you didn't get one, get one on the way out. It's got all the sections in there. You can read them and you can focus in on the signs of this season from the the Gospels. Secondly, are you going to be able to say, I want to be a sign and lead others to Jesus? So who is it? Who do you know that needs the nudge, needs to have some words from you, some prayers from you to be able to watch you as a sign? And then finally, are you ready to say, I'm going to use this Advent season, the rest of the weeks here, to prepare your heart to receive Jesus in a whole new way on Christmas morning? Lord, Thank you for the signs you give us. Thank you for your word that points us to you as our Messiah, as our Savior, as the Christ child. Lord, use these signs in us so that we can point others to you as Lord and Savior as well. Pray it in your name, Lord. Amen.